0: I feel like it's very very important just to study a a little bit enough for it talk to some people maybe get a sanity check from some seasoned investors like tell them like hey this is what i'm doing can you just come take a look at this property with me this is my plan and then after that pull the trigger do it
1: welcome to the true wealth investors podcast a show all about real estate investing to help increase your income lifestyle and impact Hello, this is Chad Harris, your host for today's episode. All right, welcome everybody. I am excited for today's episode because I have two amazing real estate investing brothers out of the Springfield, Ohio area, Stas and Arthur Solomon, and they're going to tell you their story, how they've built a portfolio of real estate, and it's... Primarily paid off and they've got an amazing story and a lot of value to share. so I know you're going to benefit from this interview. So welcome guys, thanks for joining me.
0: Thank you, Chad. I'm glad to be here.
1: Yeah, yeah so we have uh, we're in a mastermind together and so I, we talk every week and I've heard a whole bunch of you know parts of your story and how just pieces but i don't know that i've ever sat down and really had the whole discussion of how you started and how you got to where you are today so how did that real estate investing journey start where did you get the that initial interest or what was that first step like
0: well arthur and i we kind of have uh, two different stories more or less um arthur if you want to start his his story starts in a little bit earlier and it, it kind of introduces me to real estate. So I think that's a great place to start.
2: Yeah, so we got started back actually in 2009 when I was going to Whitmer University. Just bought my first house, rented out some rooms in it. Kind of got, you know, feet feet in the water and, and uh, figured out that this makes money. And uh, and then I helped my parents get like 10 properties. And then they bought my first rental property for me for helping them get the, get the 10 going. So that was my first rental property back in 2009. 12. And I still own that property to this day at 79 East Norman in Dayton. Um, And then we started buying Then with Stas and I, we joined forces back in 2013, November, 2013, and started comfort living. That's our joint venture, but we buy properties and we're partners in that. Um, And so that was uh, uh, one of our first nightmare deals, which you have those in this, in this business. That was a nightmare deal. We ended up dumping that property. So maybe Stas can talk a little bit more about that and then explain why that was a nightmare deal that we would never buy again.
0: (laughs) Yeah, that that was quite the ride. Um, So how I got started in real estate is um, I was in the Navy. Arthur came to me and he was, you know, he had this, he was doing real estate and, you know, I was, I was deployed and on the ship a lot and, you know, I'm so grateful for it, super grateful for it. But I knew that I couldn't do it for uh, maybe like 20, 30 years. You know, it was great, but at the same time, I really wanted freedom. I really wanted to travel more and, you know, just experience more of life. Um, so I got started um, with my first house in uh, in Norfolk, Virginia. It was 902 square feet. It was three bedroom, one bath, and uh, I moved in. Um, I had three roommates, three roommates, and I living in this 902 square foot little house. So you can imagine, it was two. Sounds two, ideal, two,
1: yeah, perfect.
0: Yeah. It, <laughs> <laughs> so it was two two roommates and and my girlfriend at the time, who was not my wife. So that you know we you know, the they were the roommates were paying all the bills more or less. I was actually making money on the deal. So all I had to do was buy the house and I had these guys who were paying uh I think $325 or $350 each. And uh, you know, we were cutting the bills accordingly. So in the end, I was, you know, I was hooked. On top of that, I bought the house for $85. I ended up selling it for $120. So it was a it was a very good experience. Yeah, and after awesome. that I'm, yeah. i I really wanted to pursue it a little bit further. So um, that's, that's when our
1: house hacking just real intense house hacking. You know, we're yeah. sharing the rooms in the one space, not half a
0: double or something. So that's sure. Yeah, Arthur actually did the same thing with his first house. Um, He had he had some interesting roommates.
1: Um, oh, what's the story with the interesting roommates, Arthur?
2: Yeah. I mean, all of them were good. A lot of them were great. I never had any issues, but we did have one guy that almost overdosed. I mean, you know, if that's interesting. (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, it, it was a good starting experience. We learned how to do contracts. We learned how to do, you know, the legal side of it. I mean, it's still doing real estate, even though you're just renting a bedroom out of your house, you still have to manage that asset. You still have to make sure the property's in good shape. All of those things. So, it was so helpful. And then 2014, uh, I'm a realtor now since 2014, but if it wasn't for Stas paying for the, he's like, cause we were doing real estate already. He's like, well, why don't you just get your real estate license? And he actually paid for it. So without Stas having done that, I don't know that I would be a realtor uh, today, you know, six, six years in the making. And uh, we've got a thriving team and we just keep crushing our goals in, in that regards too. Um, so it just, it's so funny how it all came together from starting from renting rooms to to now getting into the the real estate business. And um, now we just had a big opportunity with the 76 unit project that uh, unfortunately we didn't get, but now playing on a whole different level, not just one house or two houses, but almost a hundred houses, you know, that we're looking at. So. um, I'm
1: sure, I'm sure we'll get to that one, but I think it's, you know, it's a good reminder for everybody, you know, if they look at house hacking, or living in a house and renting out rooms to people and they think, I couldn't do that for 20 years or I couldn't, well, they don't have to, right? You just need to get started in real estate and it'll change over time. You don't have to have the whole plan figured out from day one. So I admire both of you guys that you got started, you did something, and it, it sounds like there were stresses along the way, but it worked out and you've moved on from there and grown from there. So that's sharp. So what happened after Stas? What happened or what did you do after that first deal um, in Virginia?
0: Yeah, so I was 20. I was an E4. I didn't really have a whole lot of money. After, after I sold that, I got transferred. I, I had to go to New Jersey. And uh, I bought another house. I bought it for 120000 I put more roommates in it, more sailors, uh, you know, more more crazy times, more, uh, you know, whatever, more good times. And uh, at the same time, uh, a lot of the money that I got from selling that initial place back in Norfolk, we just, you know, kind of plowed it back into the business. We picked up uh, a bunch of really good properties in Springfield, um, went on Southern, a uh, couple of couple other ones that, and they were, they were pretty much dirt cheap. I think we bought our, our double here in Springfield, on the South side for Arthur, was it, was it 10,000?
2: Yeah, it was like 12,000 bucks, 145, oh. 147 West Southern. Yeah.
0: For yeah. Vinyl, yeah, vinyl siding, good windows, like, you know, vinyl windows, good roof. The only thing that was really wrong with it was the cosmetics. So, you know, that's, that's per- per- perpetuated the addiction.
2: <laughs>
0: but, and it, you know, we ended up buying more properties. Uh, I ended up selling, uh, that property that, that I was living in, uh, in New Jersey for, I think 175, I think. So, and then, you know, that was more fuel to invest it back and pretty much all the money that we invest into Springfield or into real estate, it just gets re reinvested. And, uh, I, that's been a, I think, a, the secret to our success, the secret to our sauce. Yeah.
1: So, I mean, from the outside, when you tell that story, it sounds like day one, you were just on fire, you were all in, there weren't any uh, struggles. Did you have, like, what was your initial motivation in doing Uh, it? Did you have any mental struggles of, am I doing the right thing? Is this a stupid idea, a good idea, you know, that inner turmoil?
0: Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, when you're buying, when you're 20 years old, and you're buying, you know, you're talking about your your house, and all your friends are buying, after deployment, they're buying Mustangs, and Camaros, and going to Acapulco, and, you know, some place in the Bahamas, and here you are, you're like, yeah, I'm just gonna buy a house, and, you know, and then I'm gonna spend, like, a whole year, like, fixing it up. You know, it doesn't have the same ring to it, or that, you know, they're going out to the bars, and you're like, yeah, well, I'm just You know, I'm, I'm putting in hardwood floors this weekend, you know what I'm saying? (laughs) So that was hard, but we also had some, some, you know, some deals that were very, very stressful. Um, The first one, Arthur and I, the first flip that we did, we bought it for $500. You know, we, we, we bought a house for $500. And uh, that, was an, that was an experience. <laughs> I'm not, Arthur, I'm not sure if you want to talk what about that What could go one. wrong
2: with a house bought for $500? Come on. <laughs> yeah, the house the threw away Corlington Drive, Springfield, Ohio, and we bought it for $500. Bucks. Had to track this guy I to chase him down. It took probably six months to chase him down. He said, I'll give you the house for free. I said, well, I'll give you $500. He said, great. He said, there's no liens on it. Well, that wasn't the case. That was... He just didn't know, I guess, but there was a $36,000 mortgage on the property. And at that time I didn't know, like I thought I had a, it was our house. Little did I know that debt also transferred over to us. So then we had to, once we had it fixed up, we had to basically go back and, you know, fight it out with the bank to get them to reduce that debt obligation. So they reduced it to 3,200 bucks on a short sale, but that was a nightmare. Yeah. That deal was a difficult deal. Arthur Nice and we sold it and as far as i know yeah, that's, love the, that's arthur amazing.
0: Had to, amazing arthur well, had to chase down the, the note from seven different banks because they kept selling the note uh, so he had to call one bank and they transfer over to another so he calls the other bank they're like legal department and they have no idea you know they don't really, really talk to you so they're like you know they're like i don't have it but you're like can i have the number to you who sold it to i need to like you know, work out a deal with him. So this was, was like forever. It took our—he was always on the phone, and uh, yeah, we we uh, well, I mean, we still made money on the deal, but that was interesting too.
1: So what is, I mean, what is that actual conversation like? Once you finally got in touch with the the real contact of the owner of the note, what was that conversation like? How do you get a debt of thirty six thousand down to thirty two hundred?
2: We had to do a short sale process. So the problem was at that point, we already fixed the house up. So now the value was improved. We put in brand new kitchen. We did a lot of upgrades as far as like water heater. We put a new one, just a lot of work we did to the house. Um, and so we had to go back and essentially destroy it, so to speak, to justify. The improvement. Windows and put some. Gr- really? Gr- up. Yeah, we had to make it look like, uh, you know, like something that needed a lot of work because we had already repaired it. And we had, you know, by that point, we were thinking we were ready to clear, you know, clear to close, so to speak. And then we had this issue pop up last second. So we had to go fight it out with the bank and take pictures and show them condition report. And good thing they didn't send any supplemental uh, inspectors or appraisers or realtors. <laughs> um, cause the inside was nice, but we had to make it look like a mess from the outside, which it was a mess. And we had a bunch of pictures from the beginning and we truly spent every single dollar that we put into it. So it was a big project. It was a good learning experience. So the moral of the story is always do a title search on the property. Always.
1: Buy it. <laughs> oh, hey, hey you wanna- very good advice. Yeah. Always. There's never a reason not to,
0: right? Uh, and oh, yeah. do you want to tell them about the cultist and the bathtub in the same house? No, it's not oh, right. Really. Okay. All right, we'll skip it.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so as you guys were doing this, you know, that quote comes to mind of live, um, live as uh, others don't now so that you can live as others don't in the future. Right here. Obviously the choices you were making, were not the norm but the lifestyle that you get because of that is not the norm so what did others think when you were doing this if you're spending your weekends working on these beat up houses and running around chasing banks and sellers and not doing what a what the average 20 year old or 24 year old does what did others think of it
0: I know for me, a, a lot of people, you know, didn't really see the same vision that I did. They were kind of more or less focused on tomorrow. And I was thinking about, you know, five years from now, from when I'm out of the military, you know, I really wanted to have uh, a safe job. I know that our, our stepfather, he was, uh, he was, when he, uh, he got hurt and then he couldn't be able to work. That initially why the family went into real estate. So the minute that he got sick and, uh, you know, that he had gangrene on his foot, and once they amputated that, you know, they, they told him kick rocks. So basically they, you know, instantly stopped his salary. You know, he could have probably worked from home, maybe. You know, they got rid of the car allowance, everything. I mean, it was just so sudden. And I didn't want that happening to me. So for me, that's what I was thinking about. But a, a lot of people that was, uh, you know, they didn't believe in the whole, like, delayed gratification idea, um, they're like, why are you going to buy a house if you're just going to move in two years? You know, why are you going to do this? Um, a lot of people didn't see the big picture. So, I, I, you know, I got a lot of pushback. And there was a lot of stuff that I had to kind of put off. It's like, no, I'm not, I'm not going out and, you know, drinking with you on Friday or whatever on Saturday because I'm doing this tomorrow. I'm doing this today. So, um, yeah, definitely a lot of, you know, I'd say quite a bit of pushback. What
2: about you, aren't there? I've been self driven. So it's really was irrelevant whether people liked it or not. <laughs> I, you know, That's awesome. <laughs> I mean, I still got an EBT card up there. And I used to, when I went was in school, for example, like when I was in college at Wittenberg University, I'd be working. I had three jobs. I worked at Wittenberg 20 hours a week at Walgreens as a cashier, usually one or two days a week. And then, um, donated plasma and then you know that's twice a week and so i always just been on the grinds i never really just wanted to fit into the crowd that's never been my thing so i don't know a lot of the people that i talked to they were like inspired by it like wow you're doing this you got a house you know you're doing this and i've been able to help that's like been the spark for a lot of people that that were not in real estate that are in real estate now that i've been able to help and just because they see that i can do it i've started from you know food stamps going to the, pantry donating plasma every week to now having ability to if I don't want to go to work today I don't have to go to work today you know that passive residual income so if I don't I don't know if I got a lot of pushback I got a lot of people that were like and what are you doing how can I be a part of that so
1: that's awesome I mean and it is uh, I think a lot of people struggle when they get that pushback of, of second guessing whether they're doing the right thing or not and a lot of it is being independent and just knowing what you're working towards, being clear on your why and what the, you know, the, the reward is at the end of the effort. Um, but a lot of it is being around the right people, right? And just if you're around other people who have the same mindset and the same goals, it's so much easier. Um, and so I think that's sharp. I think you guys do have a great um, testimony or story because this is a relatively short amount of time. You know, when people talk about retirement or financial freedom, most people think they're, you know, working 40 40 years of their life to someday have some freedom. And you guys are talking about freedom with your time in, what, seven years. I mean, that's pretty amazing. So... Um, What were some other deals that you had in the early years? Did you focus on rentals or flips or what was uh, was
0: your primary focus? The one deal Arthur brought up a little bit earlier, he he was talking about our property in Dayton, the very first rental that we got Uh, in 2013. I have to look this up, but in April, 2013, we bought, we bought Fernwood. We bought it for $10,725. We ended up, uh, running it, I think for $600. And then I'm sorry, 521. Okay. All right. And, uh, we had a, we had a tenant in there and Arthur, you know, our, he, he would manage, I was away, but this place had bars on the window. This was, uh, you know, not the kind of neighborhood that we would invest in now, but, uh, it was, uh, that water heater kept getting stolen And, uh, Arthur, he would, he had a Pontiac grand dam at the time. So he would carry the water heater inside of his like Pontiac three times. He had to do it and install it, like bring it down to the basement. And, uh, you know, we still made money on the deal. Um, it was still a great learning experience for me and, and Arthur. Uh, and then in June of 2016, we sold it, uh, at $13,900, which is a whopping $9 per square foot. So,
1: well, you just need to rephrase it as a percent because that's like a thirty percent increase,
0: right? That's, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> just put it put on a percent and just send it to some investors. They'll think that we're big time. You know? Yeah, a lot of people
1: <laughs> use those percentages to really stretch reality. That's for sure.
2: Yeah, and you know what's funny? It was another Russian guy that ended up buying it from uh, Colorado. And then uh, he held on to it for, did you see the next time it was transferred? Like literally this property has been transferred like 10 times in the last 10 years. Or
0: yeah. Years. Wow. And, the weird, and the weird thing is I got an email from a, a wholesaler with a property and I thought it was a joke. I thought I'm like, are you messing with me? Are you? And it was like the real deal. So I called up and then this guy was actually trying to sell us back Fernwood. <laughs> and then i you know i just talked to him like can you describe it and then the guy's like oh yeah it's a really nice condition i'm like how's in the neighborhood and he's like oh yeah you know it's it's, it's good like no problems i've you know whatever up and coming it was, right? it was yeah
2: <laughs> yeah he, was, he had a price of like twenty five thousand bucks or something he did yeah that's crazy
1: that is crazy so how many units are you guys at now or what's how many rentals do you currently have
0: so between Arthur and I, between all the different LLCs that we have, we have 25, yeah. 25 units. So awesome. Fourplexes, duplexes, and single family houses is a mix.
1: And I know a lot of people right now struggle with finding deals. How, you know, over those years, how have you typically found your deals or how'd you find those units?
2: Arthur. Well, most recently uh for example like two months or a month and a half ago uh we got a referral from uh, one of my good friends nate moeller uh with Klingman insurance She called me he had a client uh, husband passed and uh, uh she needed to get rid of these properties some of them were in foreclosure and stuff like that so we uh i called her um and we ended up buying uh, with four properties and i ended up listing the rest and we've sold all but two at this point so uh, a lot of referral business, you know, people know that we're in the business of buying houses cash. We close quick. Um, we're serious, you know, we'll show up the same day if you need us to. Um, but you know, it's hard to find, it's hard, hard pickings right now, as far as the MLS. I mean, that's where the pond where everyone's fishing. So, um, you know, we do have some, we do like Z buyer, but we really haven't got any kind of traction with that. So, um, 761 Dorchester, that was a Zillow making me move. You know, some of, the, some of the other ones that we, that was a creative finance deal that we picked up on land contract, fixed it up and sold it and did a double closing and made profit on that. So, but I think mo- the majority of it is us prospecting, calling uh, for sale by owners, expired, Z buyers, calling all these different sources that collect leads. Um, and then just, you know, obviously the bird dogging, the old, the old time strategies which still work uh, in this market, so kind of a combination of everything at this point.
1: I think that's probably the truest answer you could give <laughs> for how do you find deals, or how does someone find deals? It's just a matter of constantly working at it yeah. in a whole bunch of different ways, and and the deals will come. So I think that's awesome. I think too often people look for the simple one one answer and that like that's going to solve all the problems of finding deals. When in reality, I always lean towards a shotgun approach, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to be putting out there that I'm buying houses. I'm going to be having bandit signs. I'm going to be doing some mailers. I'm going to be doing some cold calls. I'm going to be trying all these different things and no one way is the perfect way, but
0: through a bunch of effort, the leads will come. So and I think a big part of it, too, is just uh, having a good name in the community. So if you're the kind of person who who can get a deal done, who says what they're going to do, when they're going to do it, uh, you know, actually get it done, and then just staying in front of people. Uh, I remember in New Jersey, I, I, I bought a printer and I licked like 2,000 envelopes and I stick like a, this letter inside. And uh, yeah, I did that for like a long time. And I would send them to Arthur in this big box and he'd go to the post office and he would like, drop them off because it'd be weird if you were getting a letter from Jersey um, because, you know, they, 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 they stamp the, uh, the stamp or whatever. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, just a variety of ways. The last one that we did is wholesaler, a wholesaler brought us a deal and uh, we ended up buying it.
2: Sure. Oh Yeah. Natalie and Jerry green. Shout out to those yep. guys. Awesome.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I think, yeah, that's great. And I think the, you know, when you get a referral lead, I think that's the most valuable lead you can get. It's not something, you, you can't build up a great reputation over six months. You know, that, that you only get that by being in the business, being authentic, um, working with integrity, people respecting you. So I think that, that really should be the goal of everybody long-term is having that reputation and being known so that you do get those referrals. So, that's sharp. So, you know, going from one unit to 25 units and being in a partnership and it's, what are some of your keys to that growth? You know, from looking in from the outside, it could seem a little complicated to go from one to 25. What's what's that growth been like?
2: Hmm. I think us getting together last week or two weeks ago, Chad, you, me, and Stas and Tim going over some of the things like systems and putting those systems in place so that way we can take it, not just from the, I mean, we've got 25 now, but we were in the market for 76 unit, single family portfolio. So we feel like with the right systems, if we have the right systems in place, property management, construction side of things, the disposition side of things, um, I feel like it's all about systems, implementing those systems and replicating those systems.
1: Yeah, sure. Where were you guys and, I,
0: stats? and I was going to say this, it's uh, kind of similar to where we started out. There is a lot of delayed gratification that goes into it. So you kind of have to expect it. Um, you know, Arthur and I, we stopped taking money out of the business in 2000 and, uh, is it 14? Is that right? We, we pretty much stopped paying ourselves to, know. you know, I
2: don't even know. I don't even think we ever paid each other. Like we've got a little, yeah. bit, that's
0: about it. But I mean, this, this whole, this whole creation of this, it, it kind of snowballs on its own. Like, but you have to, you know, there's a lot of work on, on building up the initial capital and kind of rolling it and rolling it and rolling it. And, you know, you're doing all this work and sometimes, you know, it's, a lot of the times you're, you know, you, you're more or less are working for free. And then you have to expect that you have to, you have to expect that, you know, it is, it just is what it is, but you know, in, you know, in eight years from now, 10 years from now, you know, you could retire And the, you know, that, that's the magic of it. It's yeah. Just How much, how, how hard do you want to, how hard do you want to push it? Like how hard do you want to get there? So. That's awesome.
1: Yeah. I think, uh, there are obstacles or there are struggles in real estate in starting any business. That's a fact of life, you know? And so anybody who's getting started shouldn't feel frustrated that, Oh, it's taking a lot of effort or there's a lot of headaches or I'm not getting there fast enough. That's, that's part of the journey and just accept Mm -hmm. that as part of the process. And I think Arthur, your point is, I mean, if, if that's all people take away from it, that the the key to growth is systems. I think that alone is monumental. So wherever we are at, you know, I was at a mastermind, um, I think it was in February, and there were investors all over the spectrum from about 10 units to a thousand units. And everybody, when they got on the, the hot seat where they were in the middle sharing and asking questions, everybody had something they were struggling with. So, you know, no matter where they were in their journey, there was something that they had, they were working to try to overcome to get to the next level. But the systems that the person with a thousand units had compared to the systems for the person with 10 were completely different. So, the amount that we can scale and the amount of real estate that we can control and the amount of um, people that we can organize towards one goal or one vision is totally up to that system that we can develop. So I, I think that's awesome. Just a matter of building those systems. And I know, I know you guys have 25 now and that's impressive. And a lot of people really want to get to that point, but I know that's just a blip on the radar to where you guys are going for sure. So um, from you know your perspective, what are your goals from where you are now? Where, what are you working towards? Where do you want to get to in the next, I don't know, two years, five years, 20 years, how, however far out you plan or, or vision?
0: Well, I think immediately what we're trying to do and Chad, what we've been working with you is uh, putting down every system that we have on paper. And then on top of that, systemizing it to a point to where we can drop it in somebody's lap and, you know, kind of obviously give them a little bit of training, but bring it to a point to where we are working ourselves out of a job to where the business is, you know, running the day to day and we could kind of sit back and make some of the major decisions, but, not be in the office, you know, answering, uh, you know, phone calls about somebody's, uh, you know, toilet leaking or, you know, the dishwasher not working correctly, something like that. Um, that, that's something immediately, aren't you, if you want to talk about the the longer term?
2: Yeah. I mean, we're looking at literally anything and everything, all kinds of opportunities. We've got like this, I keep going back to the 76 unit deal that we were a part of. We had, besides me and Stas, four of the partners and two two money partners. And uh, we're looking to do a bigger project. I feel like the single family house is good. You can get one house, but it's one house and under one roof. But if you can get a bigger project, apartment complex, uh, mobile home park, uh, storage units, um, things of that nature, we're looking more or less, I would say next, you know, whenever the opportunity arises, we were, like I said, could have been, we were 70, you know, could have bought 76 units last week, but it just didn't happen. We got beat beat out.
1: That was an interesting deal. I remember um, some of the details of it. Well, what was the situation with that 76, 76 units that you were trying to get?
2: Yeah, so it's city of uh, Springfield Forest uh, uh, that owned them, and it's basically, they were built, these homes were built in the factory, brought together on uh, semi-trailers put together, they were low income housing with the restrictions, deed restrictions on them. They had uh, OPA funds, so federal government funding and city funding. Um, So there was a lot of restrictions on the the deeds for these properties. They went to foreclosure, Uh, the the mortgage mortgages were not being paid by the entity. So they were gonna be auctioned off. Um, I mean, coincidentally, we knew the property managers that managed all these properties, you know, we own a lot of real estate around these properties. So we were definitely interested in picking them up. So we structured it with a couple of partners who have some, you know, mattress money, so to speak, or they did well in selling some uh, storage units. And so we just pulled them in on the deal as, as to be on the board and to be you know, money partners and, and a second set of eyes for us. So, but we had to do, you know, it was, it was an auction, online auction. It wasn't a share of sale, but it was a it was a foreclosure sale and last minute we came to find out that, the, that these restrictions were on the properties that were fully occupied so there was 32 that were vacant 45 that were or 31 vacant 45 occupied our whole strategy was to rent, raise the rent most of them were four bedroom two baths 1500 square feet one car attached garage being rented for 650 bucks a month so they were underpriced and so our whole goal our strategy coming in was to increase the rent recapitalize on our, on our capital really quick on the 2.5 or $3 million investment off of the, off of the vacant ones, which we could have probably sold for a hundred grand a piece. So we're going to recapitalize on our investment and and had 40 cash flow and rental properties that were built in 2001. Um, but with the deed restriction in place for three years, we didn't want to be sued by the attorney general's office. You know, we called them, we called Cavalieri, Bailey and Columbus that were representing, uh, and we called the law director, we called the city manager, we called the commissioners, we called the community development, we called the auditor, we called the treasurer. There was just so much legwork on this deal. So it was a little bit disappointing when we didn't get it. But at the same time, the numbers were just too tight. And, you know, the, the other moral of the story is don't buy every deal, just buy the good deals. And we felt like we made the right decision by uh, by not getting into that deal ahead of time. So just like with a bad tenant, we talk about this too, right? <laughs> The, the first thing it should be the application process to where you're screening the tenant to make sure you're not even getting in into a situation where you have to evict them or you you know things go south. So yeah, want all the deals we just want the best deals and that's worked well for us.
1: That's awesome. Well, and you know just the fact that you're assessing the deal, making oh. offers, you know that you're swinging you're going to get one of those hits you're going to get the home run. Eventually you just got to keep swinging. If you're in the dugout the whole time, you're never going to get it. So, so I think that's awesome. So are you open to single family still, or just the apartment complexes or any good deal that comes your way? You're on board.
0: Yeah. We love a good deal. Anything Clark County. <laughs> I hope that we're, uh, you know, the first point of contact for, you know, whoever's watching this, if you guys have anything Clark County or even for that Dayton, you know, we would consider pretty much any deal, but in, in, on our horizon, we're looking towards, you know, bigger and better things. It's, it's a natural growth, you know, for us to look at, you know, bigger, bigger and better deals more or less. So in the next couple of years, you know, we'll, ha- we'll definitely have something secured and, you know, more systems in place. Sure.
1: So what advice would you give to somebody who's just starting off? They, you know, maybe they're looking for that first deal. They're struggling whether to get into real estate or maybe they have five properties or so and feeling like, you know, they're starting to see some headaches and aren't sure how to grow. Um, What advice would you give to them in the early early stages?
0: Mm, Personally, I I would tell them that really, there's two parts. So first you need to get a baseline of education. Clearly you should know what a title search is, right? So have enough of a uh, baseline underlying knowledge to where you're not moving in drug dealers into your house to know that you should get a title search, to know, you know, to take a look at a property and and know, you know, that it is a good property and it is viable. So have that base level, that foundation there, but Everything above that, you're going to learn on the job. So, a lot of people that that I've talked to, a lot of the, the newer investors, they, you know, they will read every book underneath the sun. They're so proud of their library of the different books that they have and the episodes that they listen to, but they don't have a single deal under their belt. The real knowledge is not in the books. It is out in the field. You know, cutting your teeth on some bad deals and, you know, getting bumps and bruises or whatever, and just, you know, walking away from that because those kinds of lessons you will never forget. And then you can apply those lessons to other situations. So I feel like it's very, very important just to, you know, study a, a little bit enough for it, you know, talk to some people, maybe get a sanity check from some seasoned investors, like tell them like, hey, this is what I'm doing. Can you just come take a look at this property with me? This is my plan. And then after that, pull the trigger, do it. Don't sit on it. Don't sit on it. It's just, you know, because that day will never come if, if you just procrastinate and procrastinate.
2: Yeah. I'm bouncing off of what Stas said. So, like, for us, if you look at us, we are we went into it not just by ourselves alone, but we went into a partnership. So we had our own different roles that we were playing. You know, at that time it was more like boots on the ground. But the point is you want to have a partner. Like, even if though Stas wasn't here – hey, if anything, you know, he needs to make a phone call, I can still make a phone call, but I I handled the majority of that. So number one, I'd say have a partner. And then number two uh, is, for example, for me, I've had coaching in place since I became a real estate agent uh, for five years I've been paying. So, and I'm not afraid to spend, like I would spend that money again on that, on that coaching. So like kind of what you're doing, uh, Chad, and I feel like if anyone is interested in what Chad is doing, like you've been We've employed you to help us take a look at, you know, analyze our business and, and how we can grow and how, how we can get to the next level. So I feel like the coaching aspect, you can have a slow growth acceleration or you can have a super V. You can have, you know, you can go shortening, shortening that cycle of, of growth so you can get to the next level. So it just depends on your propensity for risk. You know, if you, you want to, if you're comfortable and you're good with five deals, that's fine. Nothing wrong with that. You can do 50 deals. You can do 500 deals. It's just where you want to be and then have someone lay out a plan of how you can actually get into that position. Somebody that's been there, done it.
1: Awesome. Love it. So, yeah, I think no matter what people need to decide where they want to get to and not question whether they're going to get there, but just how they're going to get there. Right. One way or another, they're going to do it. And, no matter what struggle they're having, somebody's been through it before, then there's no reason, or I agree with you, Arthur, completely, there's no reason to try and reinvent the wheel and, and figure out the solution to every problem when there are so many people around us who have already overcome it. And it's a much quicker process to invest in in benefiting from that other person's experience, whether that's hiring a consultant, hiring a coach, to walk with you through the process, whatever that is, I I'm in the same boat with you. Um, that's one of the greatest investments I've made over the years with my business. So, percent. Mm-hmm. Sure. So, for you guys, you know, what is the the big motivation for you? What's your why? What what gets you up in the morning, keeps you fired up, and, and pushing
0: forward. Well, for, for me personally, one of, the, one of my big drivers is independence. So I, I want to be uh, the kind of person who, you know, is not – how do I say this? That's tough. Um, I really love independence. I want to give my wife independence, you know, to, to – if, if she wants to work, work a job, she can. If she doesn't, she doesn't have to. The lifestyle that goes into it. Um, you know, I don't want to have a nine to five, um, that, and you know, the different challenges and growth. I feel like in this business, the opportunities and the challenges that come along the way are pretty much different every single time. The the people that you encounter are some of the most interesting people ever. Uh, you know, we, we talked to you, we talked to Justin, we talked to Cassidy, we talked to, you know, our friends who are in the business, like Mr. Burner, um, they have you know nuggets of knowledge which are you know invaluable more or less so just getting exposed to those people uh and you know looking at where they are and the the person that you could potentially become like you know 5, 10, 15, 20 years down the road um that that's what motivates
2: me don't forget Sandra McKibben too oh yeah
0: big shout out to her
2: (laughs) all right it's legacy it's like what impact are you making i always think about like what are people going to say about me at the eulogy you know how how did i make a difference in this time that i was here It's a short life right so for me the legacy the independence and the freedom that's was awesome. just talking about same exact thing i i worked as a cashier at walgreens i used to donate plasma i was stuck to working a job in a factory multiple factories second shift 100 degree weather that's not what i wanted to do and so now that i've worked those jobs now i can say well i don't want to do that again so, the financial freedom and the legacy for my family to, to change the trajectory of the whole life. And we're doing that through real estate. And anyone can do it, really. You don't have to be the smartest. You just have to be a hustler and put a plan in place and go do it. Honestly, yeah. I honestly believe
1: that. Awesome. So, I don't know. I love you guys. I love you guys' perspective. Just talking to you, you know, in this 45 minutes, I feel more fired up. I'm more ready to, to get out there and get yeah, yeah. things done. So I hope everybody listening, I'm, I'm confident everybody listening feels the same way. So if somebody wants to get in touch with you, follow
0: what you're doing, uh, what are the best ways for them to do that? Uh, for me, if you guys, you guys can find me on LinkedIn. Um, you know, send me, send me a message there. Um, it's, S T A S Stas, Solomon. That's my last name. And Actually it's our last name. And, uh, you guys can also call me on the business line. It's nine three seven seven zero one seven
2: eight seven nine. Yeah. You can find, find us on Facebook as well. Uh, comfort living LLC. You can find the, the realtor business, the Solomon group at Coldwell banker. Uh, we also, you know, buy houses as well. So if you buy a an apartment, stuff like that, call the 701-7879. Call me on my cell phone. You guys could DM us, you could whatever, whatever, LinkedIn, Facebook, text message, phone call. Doesn't, doesn't matter. So we're out there, we're getting it. So just give us a call, reach out to us. We're not hard to find. Yeah, just
0: don't come to my front door.
2: Yeah.
1: <laughs> like a good general rule. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I'd encourage anybody who uh, wants to find out more, definitely reach out uh, to Arthur and Stas. They're great guys, very genuine, open, and uh, you'd be glad that you did. If you're in the Springfield area, you want to sell a house, buy a house, definitely get in touch with them. Even if you're a business owner and you're not in real estate, but you want to know the movers and shakers of the area, get in touch with these two guys. So, Uh, I really appreciate you guys taking the time, coming on, sharing your story. Um, I think a lot of good information and tips and a a lot of good encouragement uh, for other people. So I really appreciate it. Definitely got to have you on again down the road because I know there are big things coming up uh, for you that you're working towards. So I uh, appreciate it, guys. Thank you very much for coming on. It was a pleasure. Always a pleasure, Chad.